So for context, when lockdown kicked off in the UK, I did not know what to do with myself. I was furloughed from my job, so I had all this time to try and fill. And for the first month, I spent time with my family, ate too much food, made some music, and then in the second month, I decided to relaunch my podcast, Mixtapes with Mike. And I treated it like a job. So I would record at least one episode every weekday and would edit all the time and would contact people to, and invite them to come on the show. Uh, and it gave me something to focus on. And I started releasing the episodes and I've had some really good feedback and I got into the routine of it and I was loving it. And then when the Black Lives Matter movement was ignited by the horrific things that have been happening in the States, I realized that it felt really gross to be trying to promote yourself and a podcast on social media when there was far more serious things that deserved everyone's attention. So I just stopped putting it out and figured I'd come back to it later. And then after a while, I started to doubt myself and question why anyone would want to listen. So why even bother? And, and we've, we've all been in a really weird place with everything that's been going on. Um, and then I happened upon a message that was sent to me by another comedian who I really look up to and respect. And it made me realise that it, the reason I was putting it out is because it's fun to do, it's fun to have these conversations. And I've just got to get out of my own way. So... I apologise for the delay in putting this out. Um, had to sort my own head out, but here we are. I hope you enjoy this episode. It's the it's, it's actually the second episode I ever recorded from the first time I launched the podcast, uh, and it's with a, a, a good mate of mine and a very funny comedian, Tom Ham. Uh, so some of the conversation might be a little bit out of time, but uh, I hope you enjoy it. And I'll speak to you in the outro. Cowbell is just the, that is the sound of a party. I own a cowbell. My name is Michael Driver. I'm a UK-based comedian and I love music. So I've asked some friends of mine to tell us about their favourite tracks and make us a mixtape. This is Mixtapes with Mike. Episode 2 of Mixtapes with Mike, the podcast where I invite a friend of mine to tell me about their 10 favourite songs and you guys get to listen to the conversation on the way to work and if you're interested in the mixtape you can listen to it via Apple Music and Spotify on the way home. Is the idea. Today my guest is stand-up comedian Thomas. Hello. How are I you? Feel, I'm good. I feel like I've listened to my voice. As soon as you started talking, a, a tickle came into my throat, so I'm going to have to cough. <coughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, see, 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 see how much clearer his voice was <laughs> the second he cleared that. So, yeah, um, as you know, uh, rather than start another podcast uh, where a couple of comedians talk about 
stand up. Nobody needs that. <laughs> we don't need another one of them. This is me coming up with something to talk about that everyone is passionate about, and music is definitely one of those things. It's a good idea, man. I think <laughs> this is a good idea. So, the rules are 10 songs. Yeah. You're not allowed to use the same artist more than once. Yeah. Uh, we have some bonus categories which we'll talk about later. Okay. Um, but first off, maybe just a quick chat about you and and what you do. So you are a stand-up comedian. I am, um, yeah, I think, <laughs> I'm sort of. I have a go, you, yeah. You're definitely a stand-up comedian, Tom. I've done stand-up comedy in, in the recently, Thursday night. Yeah. Yeah, did it. And, that and, happened. And later again tonight. And tonight. We're on our way to do proper funny in Leicester. Let's at, start. At the Criterion this evening. It's a very good, uh, very good stand-up gig if you're in the Leicester area. You should definitely check it out. Um, but we spend a lot of time in the car, don't we? Do spend a lot of time in the car. So... A lot of time alone or with other comedians driving on motorways, hoping that they're not closed. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, but so music tends to come into that quite a lot. Um, now you used to be a DJ, right? I did. I used. To, I was a uh, DJ for probably about ten years. No so way. quite a long time. I didn't even know it was that long. With varying degrees of success, but um, yeah. So uh, just before I started doing stand up, really, I was still doing it. Um, yeah, I used to DJ every weekend. You got a message, Mike. Um, we have a photo from Danny Clive. Danny Clive's has sent you a photo. Um, I'm just gonna disturbing f- the podcast. I'm going to put that on airplane mode. We're probably going to get a little ribbity ribbity in the in Clive's the recorder now. Bloody hell! So I've put that on airplane mode now. So hopefully we won't be disturbed any further by Danny. So we were saying about uh, the DJing. Yeah. Um. So was that sort of club nights? Yeah, I started doing it just in... I used to work in a pub, and I started DJing in the pub because mm-hmm. we, we needed a DJ. We needed somebody to do it, and I just enjoyed it. And, like, the guy, my mate who ran the pub, who I worked with, knew I had, like, loads of records and CDs and stuff, so he was like, you DJ in the pub, and then I just got into it through that and just carried on doing it. And then I used to DJ at, like, all over the place, really, but mostly, like, yeah, club nights, um, indie nights and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah cool up to the biggest gig I probably ever did was at this festival in Ireland called Oxygen Festival oh, it's like that. the Irish equivalent of Glastonbury it doesn't, mm-hmm. go, it doesn't run anymore because they went bankrupt but uh, we used to we were like we had a little tent there we used to DJ in like the backstage bit to have like entertainment for people who were hanging out backstage where all like, the <laughs> bars and the catering is and then we'd have a little tent that we'd DJ in as well throughout the day like a little cocktail bar tent mm-hmm. but then what they did was on the Sunday night when the festival had finished they had a massive party on the campsite that we did, uh, like we DJ'd a bit of it but what we didn't realise was on the Sunday night everything had finished apart from that so that was like the only like audible music that was going on across the whole festival site so basically everybody that was left at the festival just flocked to this stage that we were DJing at and there was like it was insane there was like thousands of people there it was mental there was like I think there was over 10,000 people there holy shit it was intense but it's really fun I got really drunk and then stayed up all night 
dropped my phone down a chemical toilet. Oh, yeah, mate. and then tried to get a security guard to like help me retrieve it in like the pitch black. He was like shining a torch, and I got one of those rubbish grabber things. Oh, you know, like those ones that like old people have for picking me, up rubbish. I, I, tried to put that down the chemical toilet and retrieve my phone, but we were calling it. We tried ringing it, and it was still ringing, even though it was descended into the depths of hell. <laughs> and we couldn't. We tried to get it back out, and we couldn't. And then we just had to leave anyway. Um, so then we went and got the ferry, and I was just—I was really—I got really ill afterwards. And I think it's because I was trying to get the, my phone out of the chemical toilet. But I was so ill for about three days afterwards. Could have been because I'd been out in the piss for like three days with no sleep, or it could have just been the chemical—I blame the chemical toilet. Okay, I, I'll be honest. I'd have just let that fucker go. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it's gone. It's well, me. I had to, when I had to ring. I had to do a classic thing, you know, when you ring like the phone insurance people mm-hmm. and be like. Um, yeah, I've lost my phone. And they're like, right, okay, what happened? And at first, I didn't know whether to tell them it was in Ireland or not, because I thought, I don't know if that's covered. Right. So I was like, it was... And so he was like, right, where was it? I was like, it was in Ireland at a music festival. And then he went, what happened to it? And I didn't want to say... <laughs> I didn't want to say I dropped it in a chemical toilet when I was drunk. So I said, oh, it fell down a well. <laughs> and he was like, a well? I was like... Yeah, like it went in water, and he was like, oh, it's, he, like they don't care." He was like, "It's fine, mate. We'll just send you a new phone." <laughs> so, to your your mixtape now, yes. What I've, what I've already discovered is that I'm, during this, I get to like, I get exposed to songs that I've not heard, yeah, or artists that I wouldn't normally listen to, or people that I have never heard of. So this is the one thing that I'm really enjoying about it already. Like, I've already listened to. And Andrew McBurney's playlist like ten times since oh, wow. we recorded it, so that's that's really nice. So the first song on your mixtape is by who? By the coolest band ever, guys. UB40. Okay. Do I have to explain why? Going to do it. Well, I think there's a temptation when you do things like this, which was always one of the problems that we have when DJing is to try and be cool mm-hmm. and. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to be <laughs> honest. And uh, like, I think like a lot of people, the music that you grow up with is like music that sticks with you the most. Mm-hmm. Like the music that you heard, not necessarily you were into, but you might have been played by your parents or like you just heard around the house. And like my mum was really, she was really into like UB40 and bands like that. But... I'm going to defend UB40 now. I'm going to put. I'm going to go out there and say the first two UB40 albums, in particular their first one, are put your prejudice aside because of Red Red Red. red I can't even say it. I can't even bring myself to say it because of that Red Wine song and Baby I Love You or whatever it is they did with Chrissy Hind. Listen to the first UB40 album. It's really properly good and it's really like sonically interesting as well, like a lot of reggae music is, but mostly. Like, this song, Food for Thought, which is, like, a really, really early UB40 song, I think it was, like, their first ever single. To me, it just sounds like Birmingham. That's what it reminds me of. I'm not really that like I don't there's lots of things in the lyrics as well that I don't really understand and I suppose some people would google it and try and figure it out but I'm not that really into lyrics I like I, I think I like the music and like grooves and hooks and melodies more than I'm interested in like what the meaning of the song is yeah 
Yeah. Because people always tell me, like, oh, you do know that song's about that, don't you? And it's like something dodgy, and I'm like, fucking hell, I love that song. Yeah. I like sing that at work. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's about like domestic abuse or something. <laughs> right. So, moving on from UB40, your next choice is by. Bob Marley. Amazing. Okay. So, there's already a bit of a theme emerging here. Yeah, I think he's another artist that you feel like you have to defend because, like, his music's sort of been ruined by, like, because it's been exploited or, well, not exploited, that's a bit extreme, <laughs> but it's been used on, like, adverts for juice yeah. and vitamins and, like, been ruined by people who run vegan caps and stuff <laughs> like that. Whereas a lot of early Bob Marley stuff is amazing as well. Like, the uh, documentary made by Kevin MacDonald called Marley, which is, like, a three-hour documentary, basically, about Bob Marley's entire life is brilliant and I would urge listeners to, to watch that documentary because I, I was yeah it made me I got into Bob Marley because that documentary I was never really that fussed with him before but it's so good and then if you go back another person if you go back and listen to like his early stuff it's amazing and this song as well like that UB40 song it's like sonically really interesting it's got like some really weird sounds on it but they put them together in a really accessible way mm-hmm. which I think is great and it's called Small Axe. Okay. Which is about. Well, a lot of his songs are quite political, and like I said, I don't really understand what it means, but my guess is that he says it's about how a small axe can cut down a big tree. So I think it's about how small changes can affect big results. So, moving on from Bob Marley and the Wheelers, who is our next tune by? Oasis. Now, this is an act that I think might well come up quite a few times as I do more and more episodes of this. I think so. I think there's a lot of people <laughs> of a certain age who, you know, it was you, you couldn't really... I don't think it was Oasis or Blur. I don't think that's the case. I don't think people were either into one or, or the other of those bands. Yeah. But I think a lot of people who are our age, I think it's hard to let Oasis pass you by. Yeah. Like, you, um, do you know what I mean? They're and, huge. And, and, the, and the sort of catchment for an Oasis fan, if you think about it, like, we were pretty much the same age. So they were they were pretty prominent when we were sort of in our late teens at high school. And stuff. Yeah. So, but in your, anyone who was, like, you know, 14 years old when they first sort of came out and if you were in your mid-twenties or even your early thirties at that point you were going to love at least one Oasis song yeah because I remember like I Oasis was like the first band that I got properly obsessed with and was like super into but then I was like 16 or something and my cousin was like 30 and he was like as obsessed with them as I was yeah and do you know what I mean it was just just really 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 good singles and first two albums as well, absolutely quality. Yeah, like when I'm, I'm Another band that should not be written off because of their crimes later in their career. <laughs> See, like, I, I was a little metalhead when I was like 14, 15, 16, and it's, it's almost not allowed to like Oasis because that was like, I don't, I, I don't know, it was just, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't pure rock. Um, but there were some songs that you just 
couldn't you couldn't not like they were kind of undeniable brilliant yeah you know? and I think Noel Gallagher himself said that he thinks if you people always compare it to Blur which I don't think is very fair but Noel Gallagher himself said he thinks Blur's songs have aged better and I do think that's true because there's a lot of stuff especially on Definitely Maybe that you listen to it now it sounds very of the time yeah. but there's also particular songs some of them are just album tracks or B-sides as well which I think there will be like as classic as you know the Beatles or the Rolling Stones people our, like our kids and their kids after that will go back and you know dig out the good Oasis songs and they'll still be listening to like we were talking uh, Talk Tonight we mentioned earlier Talk before. Tonight yeah is a good Such example of that or Champagne Supernova or you know anything like they released an album of just B-sides which was as, as good mm-hmm. as any of their studio albums and that's a, that's a that's a thing that bands don't really do anymore. The B side's not a thing anymore. Well, no, because everything's digital. Yeah, you don't get that little bonus track that isn't on the album. Yeah, you know, which is a shame. So Aces had great B sides. Yeah, we... and Morning Glory, I think, from start to finish, is a really good, solid album. Yeah, and Liam's voice on this song in particular is absolutely. It's just amazing. He sounds great on it. He's got a great voice anyway. I think that's a lot of people write off Liam Gallagher just because he's a bit of a knob, like or they perceive him to be a bit of a knob. But he's just there's just something about his voice, especially on this song, which just I don't know. It just makes you want to sing along. It's quite a haunting production as well. Like there's really nice reverbs in it, and the sort of backing vocals where it calls out the heaven sort of lyric. The strings on this song are really good as well. That's the thing that, like, and probably Noel Gallagher is probably responsible for a lot of that. But uh, they're songs that like still sound good. I think this song could come out now and it'd be a hit. Fair enough. So your next song is "Cast No Shadow" by Oasis. the worst live band ever <laughs> of all time I accidentally when I was sorting out the songs for this accidentally well I didn't accidentally I was looking for Casting of Shadow on Spotify and it played a live version of it from Networth which is right. like one of their you know classic huge gigs that they played to like however many hundred thousand people and they, when they play that song at Network, it sounds awful it's really fast it just sounds really sketchy Liam's just like going to he's like out of tune it's just I saw him live twice and it was disappointing both times really yeah fuck so moving on from Oasis and Personal Shadow your next song is by The Rolling Stones I don't know why I keep saying it in this voice (laughs) this is my radio voice guys this is my music voice (laughs) alright so um, I love the Stones but they're one of those acts that I don't know nearly enough about. No, normally. I think when I got into Oasis, you obviously when you get obsessed with a band, you read a lot of interviews with them or you hear mm-hmm. them talking about other bands. They were always really into the Beatles or like so you go and start investigating the bands that the bands that you're into mention or they mm-hmm. they write in sleeve notes or they thank on their albums and stuff. And I do like the Beatles, but they never grabbed me as much as the Rolling Stones do. I just think I think weirdly 
I think the Rolling Stones are really underrated. And I know that sounds silly because they're like a massive international global megastar bands, but they're another band that are sort of, I think, people write off because of their, uh, you know, because they're still going and they're old and like now they try and like avoid paying tax or whatever it is and all that nonsense. But <laughs> another, like, their early song stuff is just absolutely amazing. This song in particular, it's, this is another song that's really interesting sonically as well. It's got like a xylophone on it. And it's got like a weird, like distorted bass line. It's just great. I think there's way more depth to the Rolling Stones than a lot of people realise. Yeah, man. And because a lot of people don't think to go back, they just they just they're, they just, they're just aware of what the incarnation of that act now as they know them, and they don't think to look back to the older material and see where they came from. You know? Yeah, if your first encounter of them is like seeing them. You know, at like seventy-five, prancing around, not being great on TV or something. Now, I can understand why people might not bother, but this, um, some I think a lot of their early stuff, like their classic albums and stuff, are just brilliant. And I think Mick Jagger is like the best frontman that Britain's ever produced of all time. He's just amazing. I really, I'll tell you one thing about Mick Jagger. This is a story that I heard on like a documentary or something. He's been famous basically since he was like a kid, because like the Stones got together when they were like in their teens. Mm -hmm. So he's just been famous his entire life. And apparently, like people are like, he's not horrible, but he just doesn't know how to be a normal person. Like he'll just stand there talking to somebody, and they're because they're so like mollycoddled and looked after. He'll just be talking to somebody and he'll go diet coke, and someone just appears <laughs> with a diet coke. And this guy, this journalist, was interviewing him backstage at a gig, and he that's, that he said that's just what he does. Like he's just got people at hand all the time to just run his life for him, and he's just like pizza, and someone appears with a pizza for him. <laughs> Because they're so like famous, and they've that's been his entire life. That they don't know how to like look after themselves or like get themselves to places or like they just get picked up in cars and taken to places, and there's people to look after them 24 hours a day. How obscure can the request be before they can't deliver it? It's like being like a member of the royal family or something. It's insane. Tears of Queen Victoria. Yeah. We, we, we don't have any of those. That's the thing, and a lot of those like rock sort of legends are to do with the Stones. Like a lot of those things, like all the uh, not the brown M and M thing. I think that was Van Halen, but <laughs> a lot of it is yeah. And it, I think it's good that they're still going. Fair play to them. Yeah, absolutely. Did you, watch, you see the Keith Richards documentary? No, I've, no, I've not seen it's it. I don't. Good. I don't think they should charge like two hundred and fifty quid a ticket to go and see them when they played the NEC or whatever it was. Because I really wanted to go. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think they're great, and uh, I think this is one of their best songs. And it is. Under my thumb. Such a gay radio voice. I know I'm gonna have to stop doing it. <laughs> so, moving on from Rolling Stones, your next choice is by The Chemical Brothers. In a normal voice. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love the Chemical Brothers. I love the Chemical Brothers. Uh, but I love the Chemical Brothers. Um, but I love them. But, as I, well, like. but I love them. Um, Who's your favourite? Uh, the one with the blonde hair and glasses, or the other one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I got introduced by the Chemical Brothers by uh, an ex-girlfriend years ago. 
and uh, what's the tune that Beth Orton sings on that was used on the Vanilla Sky soundtrack? Oh, I don't know that. Uh, where, uh, where do I begin? I think it's called. It's a really calm, long kind of intro, and then it just drops. They're the best. I got into them because they did songs with Noel Gallagher. Yeah. They did two tracks with him. And they did Set like, in the Sun and, and um, How... Let Forever Be. Let Forever Be, yeah. That's a tune as well. I got into them through that and then I just start, I just got their album and then I just carried on. They're still going as well and they're still really good. Like their last album that this song is from is brilliant. It's really good. See, I haven't been listening just recently. It's great. This album is so good and I've si- I went to see them... I've seen them live a few times and I've seen them DJ a few times and they're absolutely great. Whenever they play live, they have, they have to have two setups because everything is analogue. They don't do yeah. anything digital. All the synths, it's all done live. Yeah. And they have to have two different rigs because it takes 24 hours to set up all their gear. So they have one that goes to one gig and sets it up and they do the gig whilst the other one drives to the next gig and no. starts setting up. And then they alternate like that. They, um, so they have to have two sets of everything because it takes so long to set all their like different weird synthesizers and stuff up. Oh, that's co- that costs so much money. I know, yeah. Because none of their gear is cheap. And they did... There's a, sa- a film called Hannah. Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah. About a girl that's sort of like... Uh, genetically modified, like, mich- like little soldier. Like she's bred to be an assassin. Yeah, and they did the soundtrack for that, which is really good as well. Um, so if nobody's seen that film, I'd advise checking that out. It's called Hannah. Um, it's like an action film directed by I think the guy who did like Atonement or yeah, something. It's Eric really weird. Banners in Eric it, Banners in it. Blanchett. Kate Blanchett's in it. That um, yeah. Saoirse Ronan plays the little girl. Yeah, but um, they did the soundtrack of it as well, which is really good. But um, this song for me is like. I think, like, I like to... I really got into, like, dance music because of the Chemical Brothers, and I like to... I used to go clubbing, like, a lot. Used or, to? Used, well, y- used still to. Still do a little bit every now and again. Where but, did we end up at your stag do? Yeah, we, yeah, but that was different. We ended up in a warehouse. In a warehouse. But I think one of the great modern... It's like... Like, raving was, like, what, invented in the 90s. So it's not been around forever, like, going to a rave and mm. listening to electronic music in, you know, in case my mum's listening, you know, having a lovely time is what we'll say. <laughs> but I do think that, like, being in a warehouse in Digbeth at four o'clock in the morning with, like, some good pals when a really, really good DJ's on or going to a rave or something like that is one of, like, the great experiences that you can have in life. And I would urge people to do it at least once. Because when a song like this comes on at about four o'clock in the morning and, you, you know, things are going on, it's, it's one of the, honestly, it's it's one of the greatest things you can do in life, I think. There's a bit in this song that people who know what I'm talking about will 
will know what I'm talking about. There's a bit about a minute into this song, there's a particular breakdown, which is just incredible. And this is off their new album as well, their most recent album. It's not even an old song, they're still great. We're going to edit this out. I'm going to try and fast forward it. Can you scrub it forward to about a minute in? We're going to play the tune. Has it, got like a it really, has it got like a really long intro? It's got a bit, well, as like all dance songs, it builds up, but there's a bit about a minute in, which is absolutely incredible. All right, we'll be back in a second, listeners. We're going to get to the right point so you can get the full force of this choice so this choice is uh, Reflection by the Chemical Brothers this bit listen to that one if that doesn't like after a carrot and orange juice Mike that makes me want to go out (laughs) listen to that man and this bit now as well after your E-Levenses that will you know (laughs) Bend your brain open at four o'clock in the morning in a good way. And the thing that I like about dance music or whatever you want to call it, electronic music, is they know that and they do it on purpose. Like, they're deliberately fucking with you and I really like it. I love this song so much. And I was actually at a rave uh, where they played this at, like, four o'clock in the morning. It wasn't the Chemical Brothers, it was a different DJ, but, yeah, it'll, it'll change it'll change things. I would say it'll change your life, but... <laughs> change your night <laughs> get that thing as well when you listen to the songs that you've heard in like a rave you go the next day like online to try and find the song that you've heard and you listen to it and you get like those same like your body like kicks back in and you get like but my wife always says it's too soon to listen to that song <laughs> like the day after or a couple of days after it's like you need to have a certain amount of time between the experience and like, being able to listen to that song because it just brings back those feelings so Moving on from the Chemical Brothers, uh, your next choice is by the Cribs. Now I don't really know much about the Cribs. My favourite, if I had to pick, if I'd say who's my favourite band, it would be the Cribs. Okay, because they're a band that I still go and see live. I still listen to their records. I still buy their records, and they're still, you know, out of all the bands that we've spoken about up till now, they're still. Alive and <laughs> Johnny Marr was Johnny Marr was in the Cribs for an album, yeah, 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 because they were just mates with him, and he just joined the band for like one album. It's not in the, it's not in anymore. It's not this album that this song got fever as well. This was the album before that one. But um, I got into the Cribs around. I got like a lot of people. I got into the Libertines when their first album came out. Um, up the bracket, which I was nearly picked for this, but. I still I loved the Libertines at the time. I was probably abs- obsessed obsessed with them, as Obs- as obsessed with them as I was with Oasis. Um, but I went we went to see them live. Me and my good friend Lucy Thompson um, just before you know they sort of collapsed and all went wrong. Um, hello, when- Lucy. Not Lucy collapsed and went wrong, the Libertines. But hello, Lucy. Lucy, hello, Lucy. Um, but we went to see them um, when they were um, they, when they were touring their first album. 
and uh, the crib supported them and I've never didn't know who they were never heard of them and it's just one of those things where you go and see a band and the band supporting them are just really good and mm-hmm. you get you get really into them I went out and bought their album yeah. their first album and I've just been into them ever since go and see them whenever they're on tour and they're playing near me um, Ryan from the band the guitarist in the cribs it's it, it, they're three brothers it's two twins Ryan and Gary right. and, and Ross their younger brother who drums but Ryan um, I used to DJ with him a bit as well, oh, no which way. was amazing. So I got to meet him and like I DJed with him about three or four times. Um, and they're just a band that like, I don't know, you know, you just have a band that you're just like, I'm just going to be into this band forever. Yeah. And I'm just going to, me and my mate, we both love them and we'd go and see them whenever they're playing near us. You kind of and, take them into your heart. Yeah. Like, and you just like, as soon as a new album comes out, you buy it and you actually go and buy it on CD yeah. and you buy their merch and you get the special edition and you, you know, they, if anything they bring out a DVD and you buy it and it's just a band that you're just like this is my band and um, the Cribs are my band <laughs> yeah feel a bit possessive over the <laughs> no I do I love them and they've sort of skirted around the mainstream a bit with certain songs that they've had like hits like Men's Needs was a bit of a hit yeah, yeah, and like yeah. they do get played on radio a bit but um, they're just one of those bands which I think is like they're quite old school an indie band because they just make records and they go on tour and they just get on with it like they're not and they're just which is kind of like what indie bands were like when indie first started you make a record and you go on tour and then you you do that and then you go away and you make a record and you go on tour and they're just just a good solid band and this song's off their third album which was produced by um, Alex Capran, or something his name is, from Franz Ferdinand. Oh, okay. And it's just a really, really good album. They've, they've done, I think they've done six or seven albums now, so this is like midpoint cribs. And their first two albums are sort of quite, not juvenile, but quite like sort of, you know, indie, sort of shouty, sort mm-hmm. of. And then this one's a slightly little bit more mature, but it's really well produced and it's really well, like, um, like tracked as well, like the way it progresses, mm-hmm. you know, like the order that they've put the tracks in and stuff. And um, I would urge people to seek them out. Because if you've heard like Men's Needs, which was like their massive song, you're like, yeah, that's all right. The album, this is the album that Men's Needs on, is on. It's a, it's a really great, like, good guitar band album. So what's the name of the album? It's called, the album's called Men's Needs, Women's Needs, whatever. And... A lot of indie around that time, sort of post-Libertines, when like a lot of bands came out, like the Pigeon Detectives and the Kaiser Chiefs and Kasabian, and like a lot of all the bands that were like part of that scene at the time, like around 2003, it all kind of got a bit laddie, yeah. like a, a lot of it, and it, it was sort of a little bit leery, and sort of, and um, the Cribs have always sort of spoke out against that and tried to sort of be a little bit different, I think, and they're quite vocal, like critics of like misogyny in the music industry. And they've always they've done like fundraisers for like um, some sort of like um, music women's music charity thing in in their in their time. But yeah, they're just a, like a proper indie band, I think. So moving on from the cribs. Your next track is by... Metronomy. No, I, I know nothing about Metronomy. Metronomy, great. They've just released their 
fourth album, okay. I think, or maybe fifth. But they were a band that came out around the time of... Do you remember like when the Claxons were a thing? <laughs> Do you remember when the Claxons were a thing? Was that 2005, <laughs> 2006? But it was kind of like post-Libertines when all bands, like the Claxons were like, a, they call, I think they called it New Rave, but they kind of got lumped in with them really, which is a bit unfair because I think Metronomy is sort of, they're just a great musical band mm-hmm. and like they make really interesting music and all their albums sound different but they also sound the same. Like, when you hear a metronomy song, you can tell it's a metronomy song. Okay. And I like bands that do that. They've got a very distinct style, like yeah. a signature kind of sound. But, but all their albums are also different, and they do, like... It's like they've got a sound that they move forward on their own terms. Mm-hmm. It's weird. And they're brilliant live, they're really good live, and th- their new album, which has just come out, which this song's off, is really good. So, like, if you're going to... So what kind of sound am I in for here? Are they... They're kind of, like... I would say they make, like, live... They're, like, live electronic music, almost dance music, but, like, some of their songs are quite funny. Okay. And, like, it's, like... It's basically just a drummer, a bassist, a guy on keyboards and a guitarist, and... They make, like, party music, but I don't know. It's hard to describe. They're great. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) It's really difficult to talk about music, isn't it? Because you just end up going, oh, it's just really good, mate. It's just a really good song. (laughs) Just listen to it. You don't need me to tell you how good it is. You don't need to go chapter and verse about every tune that you put on your I feel like all I've done for this whole thing is just gone, they're really good, guys. (laughs) No, it's still, like, because... Two thumbs up. Because some of these things you're probably going to know a little bit more about. Some of these acts you just know because you love them and you love listening to them. So the fact that you know the fact that you've included them in your in your mixtape means that it means something to you, which is absolutely fine. So well, this song came out this year and it's got scratching on it and it sounds great, <laughs> which I didn't think was possible. <laughs> But it's got a cowbell on it as well. Can't beat a cowbell. Cowbell is just the, that is the sound of a party. I own a cowbell. You own a cowbell. I do. I own a cowbell. So moving on from metronomy and old school, your next choice is by Kanye West. Controversial. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say controversial, but he certainly gets a reaction out of people. <clears throat> uh, I think he's one of the most talented producers of music that there's been for a long time. Like, if you listen to, like, um, his earlier sort of hip-hop albums and... But also the stuff that he was producing for other people. And that's what a lot yeah. of people don't realise is, you know, he was producing stuff for Jay-Z and Common, and it's so well done. Like, he is one of the sort of perfect sort of samplers and diggers and, you know, pulling loads of these elements together. But it's just the way he behaves. Yeah. And I think a lot of people will try and defend Kanye and say, oh, it's all an act. He knows what he's doing. It's just for show. I'm not sure if it is. I think he <laughs> might be a bit of a knob. But I heard this mention. This isn't an original thought to me. I heard it on a podcast the other day where somebody said he's one of the few international global megastars who doesn't care that they're famous. He will do what he wants. 
he doesn't pander to his fans and he doesn't really pander to what might be his audience. He just does like whatever he wants to do. Yeah. Like if he gets an idea, he will see it through. Yeah. If he thinks it's, he's not going to be told what to do by anybody. Mm-hmm. And like, I think, and the thing, a lot of the times with Kanye as well, one of the things that the arguments all fall down because his music is really brilliant. <laughs> and like this album that this song's from Jesus is so it's like so weird and like it sounds like futuristic but then it's also like I don't know it's weird to just it's like the sort of thing like you imagine like he really you don't like to make comparisons but he really reminds me of Prince as I, in like he does not give a shit he's going to do I what think, he wants I, th- I mean I've not listened to this entire album but I listened to elements of it and it's such a departure from that really neatly, tidy, clean, produced hip-hop sound that he became so well-known for. It was almost like he wanted it to be rough around the edges, almost like it was like punk rock Yeah. Well, apparently he went to... I think Rick Ross helped him produce it, and he went to Rick Ross with, like, 20 hours of music because he just couldn't finish the album, and he was like, I really need you, like, somebody to help me, like, sort this out. And Rick Ross was like, okay, yeah, wicked. Um, like, we'll, we'll make a start. And he's like, oh, by the way, it's got to be done in two weeks. <laughs> like, that's when the record's due. Like, that's when it's got to be finished. So, they, they apparently just worked, like, around the clock for two weeks and just, like, basically got it down to an album. You know we fucking pay Rick Ross for that shit. Yeah. Like, if you're going to put, like, like 24-hour shifts in a studio producer. Not, R- sorry, Rick Rubin. <laughs> Not Rick Ross, Rick Rubin, <laughs> okay. who like is like produced quite a lot of like classic yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. But yeah, he um, and they just like basically just. I think I might be getting that wrong, but people can Google it. But whoever he took it to was like, they just basically sorted it out for him. And um, I think this album's great. This song in particular is like really. There's loads of songs on this album that are really weird and a little bit sort of like not aggressive, but like they're kind of like strange and like there's bits in there where you think is that you put that in deliberately like to like make people go oh well that's a bit of a weird sound or like yeah. sonically and stuff and he's like probably the only person I can't imagine another person that's headlined Glastonbury that's got a song that's musically as interesting as this song is okay and this song is uh, Send It Up by Kanye West tight dress that's close to him Jesus just rose again. We can send this bitch up, it can't go down. We can send this bitch up, it can't go down. We can send this bitch up, it can't go down. We can send this bitch up, it can't go down. So moving on from Kanye West and send it up, your next choice is Loan. Never heard of him. Loan is a electronic music producer from Britain. I think he's from London. Okay. But he's just he's released I think three albums. Okay. Just recently released his third one, I think. Maybe his fourth, I'm not sure. But he's just um kind of like I don't know what to compare him to. Just like a bloke that's like making good electronic music. You mm-hmm. can call it dance music, whatever you want, house music, techno, whatever you want. But it's kind of the only all I really listen to now is stuff like this okay. I don't really listen to anything else because I'm too old to go clubbing now <coughs> my equivalent of what going to a rave on a Saturday night is basically drinking too much coffee going for a run and listening to the music that I would listen to at a rave <laughs> through 
loud headphones. Exercise. Yeah, trying to achieve the same result. <laughs> but um, Lone's, all his albums are a little bit different. His last album was a bit sort of hip-hop-y. It sounded like Jay Dilla, like a lot of it. Um, in that it was like quite short little sort of instrumental hip hop tunes and stuff oh I'm in uh, yeah which, and it's really good his last album but in this one is sort of like old school ravey it's got like some like jungle songs on it no way. Uh, yeah but then it's also got some songs as well that are really mellow and it's almost like it's almost like it could almost consider it to be like a concept album whereby it's like it's got all this really ravey stuff at the beginning which is like you're at a rave mm-hmm. and then it goes into like going home and then like the morning after and there's like bird song on it and stuff and it's just really good and um, I just really like him I like that he just uh, yeah I've seen him live a couple of times and he's really good he's a really brilliant DJ as well so if you ever get a chance to uh, go and see him DJ I would advise you to because he's really DJ wise he just he doesn't just he's really like party DJ he just plays like party tunes like we went to see him at the warehouse project, me and some of my friends, and he'd go from like a really like weird, amazing techno record to like Della Soul, but like it would work, <laughs> and like it just made people go mental, and it was brilliant. And his new album's really good, and this song in particular, I think, is really good. So this is Vapor Trail by Lone. So moving on from Lone to your final choice for your mixtape. Yeah. Uh, who's this by? Daniel Johnston. Never heard of him. Never heard never of him. Never heard of him. Who's he? I'd never heard of Daniel Johnston either until I watched a documentary about him called The Devil and Daniel Johnston, which is a great documentary. It's really good. But he was a singer, I think, singer-songwriter, who came through in like the 90s. Mm-hmm. Kurt Cobain was like a massive fan of him. Okay. There's loads of pictures you can see of Kurt Cobain where he's wearing a Daniel Johnson t-shirt. Oh, no it's got way. like a little alien on it. But um, he was, so he was, he's from that era. Mm-hmm. Um, but the documentary, The Devil and Daniel Johnson, is about his like battle with like mental health issues. It's like, I think he had schizophrenia. Right. He was institutionalised for quite a while, but he like carried on making music while he was institutionalised. Oh, no way. Yeah. And he's still going now and like he's on... Like the documentary goes into like a lot of the problems he had earlier in his life and like there's a bit um his dad was a pilot and he was flying him I think to a gig and um he like tried to wrestle the controls of the plane from his dad um and things like that. So quite severe, sort of intense things that he's had happen to him during his life. But his music is amazing and it's like all of his songs make me cry. And Are you gonna cry? I'll try not to, Mike. But um, I had one of his songs at my wedding, um, and there's another song of his called, I think it's called Story of an Artist, which is basically about him talking about, like, still making music and, like, growing old and stuff, which Mm -hmm. is brilliant. But the documentary, The Devil and Daniel Johnston, is um, really worth checking out, as is, like, all of his stuff. There's loads of it. Mm -hmm. He, like, is really prolific. I think he's done, like, 12, 15 albums or something. And he does all these weird cartoons as well. Like, all the artwork for the albums are drawn by him. Oh, okay. And stuff like that. So, up until your wedding day, you hadn't cried for how long? 20 years. (laughs) You can't pin that down to anything in particular. No, I think the last time I cried was when I was 13. 
and then I got married recently when I was 33 now um, and I've not cried since I was 13 yeah I've just been suppressing it all down <laughs> into a nice big tumour that'll probably kill me one day <laughs> <laughs> but not now, Mike, because now I'm an absolute bag of wet emotions <laughs> that cries at everything. Bless you. Something, uh, something was unleashed on the wedding day, and I can't get it back in its box. <laughs> but it, whatever it is, it likes to cry at things. <laughs> your, your wedding week was pretty intense, from the sounds of it. I mean, I, I only got to like one part of it, you know, evening on the third day of it. Cheers, mate. Um... <laughs> We're tight on numbers. <laughs> That's what I'm telling people anyway. What, 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 what person has a three-day wedding? I, I don't know, mate. It's <laughs> unnecessary. It's fun, though. It was it's very too fun. much fun. Uh, so, your final choice of your mixtape is... Daniel Johnston, and the song is called Life in Vain. Cool. Thanks very much for coming, man. You're welcome, man. Thank you for having me on. So, that concludes this week's episode. We've deliberately kept the music played below the conversation because we believe that all musicians should be paid something for what they do. So if you'd like to listen to the mixtape in full, you can find it on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the links in the show notes of this episode. Or you can find and follow the Facebook page Mixtapes with Mike and I'll share those links on the post that announces this episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would share it on your social media with anyone you think would enjoy it. It would mean even more if you would leave us a positive review on iTunes, as that will help us reach a larger audience. But in the meantime, I'll see you next week for another episode of Mixtapes with Mike. Bye.